Amen. Man, thank you, guys. Thank you, man. If you can't worship to that, there's something wrong with you, right? Uh, my goodness, that was, that was awesome. Well, um, good morning, church. I am um, not our resident Tolkien scholar. I don't know if I see him out there. Um, he's not here this morning. That's okay. We'll give him a hard time another time. But I have a, a video. I love Lord of the Rings, and I, I have a, a video that I want to show you in just a second that illuminates the idea of uh, the stories of, that we tell of good versus evil. And so, Royce, why don't you go ahead and roll that video? We shouldn't even be here. But we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frugal. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow, even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going. Because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? But there's some good in this world, Mr. Furl. And it's worth fighting for. you're like me, I love that scene in Lord of the Rings, um, because Sam, Samwise is, is talking to Frodo, and he's, he's at a point where they're both on the verge of giving up, and the thing that, that lights a fire under them, the thing that pushes them to further is remembering the stories of good triumphing over evil. And we can see this throughout human history. The stories of good uh, defeating evil, of light defeating darkness, are uh, robust in our history, are they not? Uh, we see them in ancient times and in modern, even in the movies that we watch today. So we have Lord of the Rings, where Sam, uh, Sam and Frodo, Frodo takes the ring to Mount Doom and, and defeats 
evil once and for all. Um, Harry Potter defeats Voldemort and good wins. Um, Neo uh, defeats the machines and good triumphs. Uh, we see it in our superhero movies. We see it in all kinds of different stories that we consume because it's something that resonates deeply within us. Good defeating evil, light defeating darkness resonates deeply within us because it stems from the heart of our Creator. From the very beginning, before the foundation of the world was laid, God had a plan to remove us and from our, our dark world, to remove us from sin and death, and to um, defeat evil once and for all. And his plan for doing that is Jesus Christ. And so today we are going to uh, look at this idea specifically of light in darkness. Uh, last week we started our new series in the book of John. We're going to be camping out in John for a while. And so uh, Pre Cliff preached on John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. We're going to pick up where he left off and go from 4 to 8. So if you'll flip there with me, we'll also have it on the screen. But I'll read, um, I'm actually going to read verses 1 through 3 and then we'll jump into 4. So verses 1 through 3 say, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And Cliff unpacked this idea. The Word is Jesus. We know this, and that all things, he was, he was God in the beginning, and all things that are created are created through him. And we pick up in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is our passage this morning. Um, pray with me. Father, we just ask this morning that um, you speak to us through your word. You know, we just read it, but Lord, as I seek to unpack it, I ask that you, um, you loosen my tongue to say the things that you want me to say, and anything you, you don't want me to say, that you withhold me from saying it. And Father, that I, I ask that you open all of us, you open our ears to hear you in a new way today, that the, the truth of your word um, impact us down to our very soul. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, like a good Baptist preacher, I've got three points for you this morning. And so uh, the first one this morning is that Christ is life and light. Christ is life and light. We could see that pretty obviously. Um, Christ is life. It's only because there is life in Christ that there's life in anything on earth at all. He is the creator, the sustainer, the one um, who gave life in the beginning. And in our passage, I think it's interesting because it, it doesn't speak of, of life, or it, it's, it says not that uh, life is made by Christ or through Christ, but rather uh, speaks of life as existing in him, which is altogether different existing in him. And uh, John frequently uses uh, words to have double meanings. And so we see that in our passage, Jesus is related to creation of all things. So life, physical life is brought up as coming from Jesus. But uh, what we'll see is John throughout 
Throughout his whole book, he uses words to have double meanings. And here, he's not just referring to physical life, but also spiritual life. And so we see that as he goes on in his uh, gospel account in John chapter 3, what Aaron brought up and what we sang earlier, he died so that all might have everlasting life, John three sixteen, right? Um, chapter 10, he says that uh, Jesus came that people might have life and have it more abundantly, uh, chapter 6, he says that uh, Jesus came and gave his flesh for the life of the world. Chapter 5 says that only those who come to him, come to Jesus, have life. He's the bread of life in that chapter. And twice, in chapter 11 and chapter 14, Jesus claims that he is the life. Jesus is the life, but he's not just the life. He's not the one who just gives life, but he's also the one who illuminates our life. He is the light as well. As creator of all things, Christ is the giver and sustainer of physical light and spiritual light as well. Um, and John refers to both in this and throughout his, uh, his gospel account as well. In chapter 8, he mentions that Christ is the light of the world. In chapter 12, he says that uh, Christ has come into the world as light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, Anyone who follows him, follows Christ, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In chapter 9, um, Jesus goes on to give sight to the man born blind. The man born in darkness, he gives sight to him. Only Jesus can do this. And all the light we have in life, uh, whether we are walking in it or we're turning our back on it, is all attributed to Jesus. All of it. We owe all to Christ in that regard. And the big idea I'm trying to paint here of Christ as being light and life the big idea is that I want to help us understand Christ is not the bearer of light. Um, he's not the one who, who brings it or conjures it. Um, he is the light. And just to quickly address a common misconception or misunderstanding in American theology, American Christian theology, a common misunderstanding is that Jesus came into the world to tell us about God. And to illuminate who God is to us. And to bring the light of God. And this idea misunderstands the reality of the identity of Jesus. He didn't come to earth to tell us about God. He came to earth as God. There's a big difference between those two things. Jesus came to the earth, to earth as God, as the only one who brings light and life. And if you're looking to Jesus, hoping to receive something other than Jesus, then you're missing the point. Because he didn't come to bring something other than himself. He came to bring himself to us. He's the object of your desire. He is the thing that you are praying for. Whether you realize it or not, he is the life. Now I brought up the matrix a minute ago. Uh, about Neo, and uh, I did that on purpose because uh, this all reminds me of the scene, those of you who've watched The Matrix, uh, it, this reminds me of the scene where Neo first meets Morpheus, and he sits in these, a chair across from Morpheus, and he, it's the classic red pill, blue pill scene, you might remember it from that, and he asks Morpheus to to see the matrix. He wants to know what the matrix is. I want to see it. Tell me what it is. And, and Morpheus' response 
is really awesome. And so I have a video of it. If, uh, it's kind of a, a quiet video, so if you'll turn it up real loud for me and play that video for us. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. Thank you. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. So, many people in our world are looking for life and light apart from Christ. And sadly, people look to Christ asking him to give them life and light. But they fail to realize the reality of life and light that it comes from Christ. Just like in our video, Neo failed to understand the matrix, the reality of the matrix. He asked to see it without realizing that the matrix was his reality. It was everything that he knew. And in a similar way, uh, we fail to realize the reality of life and light and that it is Jesus. It's not something given to us apart from Jesus. Jesus didn't come to bring us life. He came to bring himself, and life comes from him. To receive Jesus is to receive life and light. And if we desire to receive life without receiving Christ, then we miss out on both. But if we desire to receive Christ, then we will receive both Christ and life. So Jesus is light and life. Point one this morning. And point two, um, the light is triumphant over darkness. Uh, light is triumphant over darkness. So something I think is interesting in our passage, it's in the English version, at least the ESV that I read, and it's also in the Greek, um, that verses one through four are in the past tense. So Jesus was the word in the beginning. All things were created through him, right? But verse 5 changes to the present tense, which is really interesting. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the present. The work of Christ is, is complete, right? We see that Jesus has lived the perfect life on our behalf. He's died uh, the death that we deserve, and he's been raised um, to glorious life. He has uh, done his work for us on our behalf, and it is complete and perfect, and yet it is still active. The light of Christ is still shining in a dark world, dispelling the darkness. Um, now, those of you who uh, know me fairly well, know that I love 
physics and astrophysics. I, I love space, and so uh, the ability to talk about life. I can't, I mean light. I just can't not talk about space a little bit or light, the nature of light. And so uh, the nature of light are interesting if you don't know the physics behind it very much. And so uh, for a long time, light and darkness were thought to be equal nemesis of each other. Duality, that they pushed back the other. It was a constant battle. Is light going to win this battle? Or is darkness going to win this battle? Um, in, in a room, if you lit a bulb, maybe darkness would win. And so we, we didn't know the reality of light and dark um, for a long time. And what we know now, though, is that uh, Darkness and light are actually nothing alike. They're not an equal nemesis of each other at all. Um, they're nothing alike whatsoever because uh, light is a literal, real, physical phenomenon. It is a real thing. Light is uh, waves of photons traveling at a really fast speed, 186,000 miles per second through our world. That was really, really fast. A, a beam of light would travel around the entire earth seven times in one second. Like, that's really, really fast. And so um, a beam of light is a real physical phenomenon, but also it has real power. Um, light is, is actually powerful. It can run things and power things and charge things. We know this, right? We live in, the, uh, in 2022 now. I almost said 2021. We live in 2022. We know about the power of light. Did you know that the, the, the light that hits Earth from the sun in just one hour— is enough energy to power the entire planet, all of humankind, for an entire year. Like, light is incredibly powerful. I wish we could know how to harness all that, but we can't quite do that yet. But light is incredibly powerful, and it's a, a, real, uh, a real powerful and real thing in our universe. And darkness, on the other hand, is not powerful at all. Darkness is not actually something but the absence of something. It's just the absence of light. Darkness only exists because light is not shining in that place. So darkness has no real power or energy or anything at all. It's just the absence of the energy. When I was uh, a senior in high school, my, my high school senior youth group took a trip to Enchanted Rock. Those of you who haven't been to Enchanted Rock, you should go, it's pretty awesome. But we went as a senior class uh, from my youth group, from my church, to Enchanted Rock. And if you've been there, you might know that there's a cave on Enchanted Rock. And so uh, we went and we went inside of the cave. And if you've never been to the cave, don't worry, you're not missing out on much. It's a pretty lousy cave, um, but it, it's a cave nonetheless. And so uh, our pastor took us into the cave, and it's really small. It's really cramped, and there was one room that's an, uh, big enough for all of us to gather in, um, just big enough for all of us to be in. And I remember he was standing at the, the exit of the room, and he asked us all, okay, I want all of you, while we're in this room, in this cave, to turn off your lights, turn off your flashlights, and I want you to stop talking. And we're going to spend just a moment here in complete darkness. And so we did that. And I remember uh, seeing the lights go off one by one and looking around the room. And as it slowly got darker and darker, then all of a sudden, when that last light went off, it was darkness that I had never truly experienced before. I'm sure some of you have experienced darkness where you can literally touch your hand to your nose and you can't see your hand. 
There is nothing. And in that moment, as funny as it was, I was standing right around with my friends. I knew they were there just a moment ago, and yet in that moment, I felt very alone because it was quiet. And I remember in my mind thinking, how crazy would it be if I turned on my flashlight and I was the only one in here? It was just kind of this um, scary thought. And we, we hovered there. We just stayed there for about 30 seconds before someone in the group couldn't quite handle it. And they just pulled out their phone. And they didn't turn on the flashlight on their phone. They just unlocked the screen. And you know, your screen, especially in a really dark room, is going to be set to where it's not going to be that bright. But just unlocking the screen completely changed everything. The most dim light, just the screen of their phone on the dimmest setting, was enough light to illuminate the room to where I recognized I wasn't alone. I could see the shadows. I could see people. It wasn't as scary. And so it is for um, the darkness of this world or the darkness in your life, right? That uh, we, we can be in dark places of the soul and yet the light of Christ will fill every single crevice and cavern. The most dim light in that room filled the room. Just think of the most bright light of what it would do. And that is Christ in our lives. So no matter where we are in life, uh, we can have hope in the fact that Christ is our light. We don't stumble through life in a place of spiritual darkness or physical darkness because of Christ. And those, Ephesians 5, 8 says that those who are in Christ are children of light and share in his victory over darkness. And so uh, a really good uh, place of hope for us as believers is the fact that um, the place that when we're in darkness, um, our our ability to get out of that place of darkness in life, whether it be a dark place of the soul or a dark place in our society, our ability to get out of that place is not built upon our ability to conjure up light within ourselves, which is what the world tells us. You just conjure up light in yourself and you're going to be okay. Um, but what we realize is that uh, light cannot be conjured up in myself. Uh, and if it was, this would be a scary thing. I can't conjure up light in and of myself, but instead I can and will cling to Jesus because he's the only light who truly dispels the darkness, whether it be a dark place in my heart and my soul, whether it be darkness in our society. Um, only Jesus is the one who illuminates the darkness. Not social programs, uh, not education, not many things that are good things, but only Jesus is the one who illuminates the darkness, whether it be in our heart or whether it be in our world. And so light is triumphant over darkness, and Jesus is the light. My last point for you this morning is that witness spreads the light. Witness spreads the light. God's mechanism to spread his light is through the witness of his people, you and I. Um, that's his mechanism of spreading the light. And we can see this in reference to John in our passage. Our passage makes it clear that John was sent into the world by God to bear witness about Christ to the world. That's the reason John was brought into the world. The reason why he was created. 
But something I think is really interesting about our passage, why does John, the writer of the gospel, John the apostle, um, why does John introduce John the Baptist like this right here in our passage? It's kind of weird, right? Or it's kind of abrupt, maybe. So verse 5 in our passage is talking about the light shining in the darkness and the darkness not overcoming it. And, and then all of a sudden, it jumps to John the Baptist for two verses. And then after that, it jumps back to Jesus. Like, it seems kind of weird. Like, why not, why not make it all about Jesus for a while? And then if you need to bring up John the Baptist, you can bring him up later. John could have written it that way, um, but he, he didn't. And I believe that the effect of the way that John um, wrote this passage is to make crystal clear from the beginning that God's way of lighting, uh, of, of, of letting the light of Christ shine in our dark world is through the witness of his people. I think that's why we see John the Baptist here. God's way of pushing back darkness in our world is by human witness. And it didn't have to be this way. God didn't have to make it this way. God could have made it to where uh, the ones who heralded the good news of Jesus were angels. Or God could have written it in the sky. God could have done it a lot of different ways, and yet he didn't. Instead, he desired for his people to be the heralds of his good news. He desired for you and I to participate in his good work alongside him. It's interesting. Um, earlier, Lila was in here, my daughter, and she is in a phase right now, and I'm sure it will go away eventually. Um, she's in a phase right now where she, where she wants to help with everything, which is great. So we put her to work in all kinds of different ways. And one of the ways that we put her to work is whenever I'm doing the dishes, she likes to help. She loves to either put away all the silverware um, into the drawer, or she likes to take the dirty silverware and put it in the dishwasher. And so whenever I'm doing the dishes, I call her over and she helps me. And the thing is, a two-year-old really can't help with a lot, right? Um, it's messy. She usually puts the, the forks and the spoons and everything upside down, or she puts them in the wrong place, or when she's taking them out of the dishwasher, she, she puts them in the wrong place, or sometimes she takes dirty dishes and tries to put them away, which is not good. Um, so she's, she's not always the biggest help, and I honestly, I could do the dishes a lot faster on my own. I could do it a lot faster on my own, more efficiently. But the thing is, with her helping me, the goal is not to get things done as quickly as possible. The goal is to have my daughter assist me, and in so doing, um, she grows a little bit as a human being. And also, we bond together over working alongside one another. And that's a flawed example, but I think it's similar to the way that God has chosen you, his people, to work alongside him as heralds of Christ's light. We are to bear witness to Christ and act as bearers of light in our dark world. And, and really, the encouraging news is that uh, we're just to bear witness about the light. We're not to, we're not to uh, be the ones who conjure it up, as I said a minute ago. We're just simply to bear witness about Jesus, uh, or to tell others about the light. And in so doing, we spread it. Um, I came across a, uh, a story this week that I thought was kind of funny. I hope you think it is too. Um, 
So a few hundred years ago, in the, the city of Falaise, France, anyone been there? Me either. Um, the city of Falaise, France, was having issues with pedestrians walking at night and not being seen by people on horseback, and which is, you can imagine, is not good. Um, and so there were some accidents. And so to fix, to remedy this, this situation, the Council of Phalaes put out an ordinance that stated that no citizen shall go out at night without a lantern. That was the, the statement. So people did exactly as they asked. And they started going out at night with a lantern, but they didn't put a candle in it. Uh, which obviously didn't remedy the situation. And so shortly after they realized that people were doing that, they made a supplement to the ordinance that read, no citizen shall go out at night without a candle in his lantern. So there we go. That's perfect. Except the problem with that ordinance and supplement is that it required a lantern with a candle in it, but it made no provision for the light. So people began going out at night with a candle and a lantern, walking around and not lighting it because they wanted to preserve the light of their candle. And then finally, to remedy that issue, they passed a, a supplement to the supplement that said, no citizen shall go out at night without a lighted candle in his lantern. Um, and I think that's a funny story, um, not only because it illuminates the fact that politicians have We've got a lantern, we've got a candle, and yet it's not lit. Because we must first have the flame of Christ light our hearts before we shine in a dark world. And I think so many of us are walking around wanting to be a light to the world. But we're completely blind to the fact that our lamp isn't lit. And so... Um, to conclude, I, I just want to ask a couple quick questions for you. Um, my question is, first, do, do you know Christ as light and life? Like, do you know him as that? Um, if you don't, if you realize that you maybe don't know Jesus truly as uh, life and light, then you can. It's good news. Uh, you can know him. I would love to talk to you more about what that looks like. Um, in a second, in a few moments, we're going to sing some songs. I'll be right down here. I'd love to pray with you if you have questions about what it means for Jesus to truly be uh, light and life in your reality. Um, but I would be willing to wager that most of us would say, yes, Jesus is my light and my life. And if you're one of those people then I want to encourage you and maybe challenge you with the idea that our lives then are testimonies, are witnesses to him. The words we speak, the way we live, the message we carry, the way we love our spouse, the way we love our kids, the way we interact with our co-workers or, or uh, service industry workers, uh, the way that we care for the widow, um, the children in our world, the way that we care for the needs of the poor and the homeless in our city. Um, the message that we preach and, and tell other people, and not only just the message we preach, but the way that we communicate it. All of that is testimony to the light that is in us.
We are children of light. We are those who carry the light of the world with us if you have Christ living in you. And when we enter a room, the light of the world dispels darkness. We are his agents for good, his agents for reconciliation in this world. And I pray, I pray that our lives, that my life, accurately testifies to the beauty and awesomeness of Jesus Christ. And if we're really honest with ourselves, and we ask that question, does my life accurately testify to the beauty and awesomeness of Jesus Christ? Because he is awesome. And my, my challenge to you is if you find yourself in a place where you realize that your life does not testify to who Jesus really is, then the remedy to that situation is not to do what I brought up earlier, to conjure some kind of light within you. Now I can, I can conjure up some kind of light and now the light will shine forward. Instead, the remedy to the situation is to do what we're going to talk about a lot this, this year, is to be with God, with others. That if Jesus is the light and you're the one that's walking around with a, a lantern and a candle, then first draw close to him. Have Jesus light the candle that is burning in your lantern, that is in your lantern, not burning. How about that? Have him light it. And then from there, your path will be lit and you'll shine in a dark world. Stand with me and let's sing songs together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to respond to your word. And Lord, I just ask that um, as people who, as people who are uh, living in a dark world, and maybe we feel dark ourselves, Lord, I ask that you help us first to cling to you the light of life. And then from there, as we are illuminated by you, may we shine in our dark world. May we not look to uh, politicians or social programs or, or may we not look to other people, anything, it doesn't matter what it is, anything other than you to bring light to our world because it is only you who brings light in the darkness. And so, Lord, as, as your church, help us to draw close to you and then from there move forward as bearers of your light. Pray this in Jesus' name.